Hello, friends. Welcome to the Not The Top 20 betting show. Uh, this show is for over-18s only. Uh, the subject matter uh, focuses on betting, and we would ask that anyone listening be gamble-aware. Head to begambleaware.org.uk for more information around the risks of gambling. We would ask that no one bet more than they can afford to lose. Uh, George, an exciting slate of EFL fixtures this weekend for us to go through? <laughs> a tricky slate, as ever. Um, yeah, Normally, when doing research for this, uh, I'll make a, something of a short list and then whittle it down to a the long list that sometimes. I think are, are better. But this time, yeah, I've basically only found four um, bets that took my fancy. So um, Perfect. All I'm asking from you is three exactly. team selections and one bonus selection. So yeah. four sounds about right. Should we get into it? What's shorter than a short list? A mini uh, list. A mini list, yeah. A tiny list. It sounds, it's like the brother of a mini disc. Whatever, yeah. Whatever happened to those. Wow. Mm. Technology dates so quickly. It does. As do some of our picks after we make them. Uh, uh, but one of us had quite a good weekend last weekend, George. Uh, was that me? No. No, not, not one to bang on about it. But uh, all three of my main picks coming in. Plymouth, my beloved Plymouth. Uh, Port Vale and under 3.5 goals. That was Tom Pope's 89th minute Penalty, bit jammy that one. Uh, and the Brentford Pompey double, uh, comfortable-ish, I would scuppered, say. Scuppered my nil-nil. Um, yes, it hit. did, didn't it? So even though, yeah, if that, had, if that hadn't gone in, if that hadn't been a penalty, even though you'd have gone three out of four, I'd have, my profit would have been... You'd have probably made more money. Yeah. Let's see how we go this week. As always, guys, uh, three team selections, three fancies, and then a, a bonus at the end, something at longer odds, uh, with which we have a terrible, terrible record, but uh, hopefully soon to turn around. Where are you going for your nap, mate? Your, your best bet of the EFL slate? I'm off to the uh, Lincolnshire seaside for Grimsby against Exeter. Um, nice part of the world. Lovely part of the world. The part of the world that I spend quite a lot of time in. Yes, you do. Um, but, uh, yeah, Exeter... Continue to go from strength to strength. Um, I've kind of always had them pegged as a team who, despite being so impressive this season, are maybe one that are um, possible, possibly likely to fall away given the kind of low margin of their victories. Um, but that doesn't really look like happening. Um, they continue to eke out results from pretty slim margins and it's very hard to be anything but impressed with them. Uh, they go on the road here. Their away form previously this season has been very, very, very poor. Uh, back in October, they underwent five games in a row without victory on the road, including consecutive defeats, conceding four against Cambridge, three against Gunthorpe and two against Bradford. But since then, they've won three and drawn one. And those were away games at difficult places to go. They beat Crawley 1-0, they beat Salford 1-0, they drew at Colchester and they beat Forest Green 1-0. So Matt Taylor certainly kind of stopped the rot in terms of, of away points. And they travelled to a Grimsby side who are positively buoyant. Um, after the appointment of, of Ian Holloway, and understandably so. I'm so glad that every, the, the, basically the best case scenario of Ian Holloway taking over at Grimsby, and I'm just talking about the first two weeks, but it's basically played out, hasn't it? Mm. I mean, he has been, it, it feels like a match made in heaven. It does, yeah. And I think long term, this is a, a union that I'm excited to see how it progresses. I think, you know, I said to you last night, it almost feels like Grimsby Town are the kind of club um, embodiment of. Um, of, of Ian Holloway a little bit different um, but you know with some fantastic achievements in the past and, and great passion and great passion exactly and, and I think that they're going to get along very well however I'm afraid to say there is a but here um, I think the, the the good results of late with Grimsby Town um, they've slightly ridden their luck 
um, a you know a couple of smash and grab victories. Uh, you have to say um, against Salford and away at Mansfield, very impressive. Um, but riding their luck somewhat, and then nearly did it again against Leighton Orient, conceding a very late penalty um, to stop it being three one nil wins in a row. Um, credit to, to Holloway for for getting them back on track uh, and for getting those wins. But I don't necessarily think that the how many games are they unbeaten now in the league? I think it's it's five unbeaten in the league. I don't think that necessarily tells the whole story here. Um, I think they're still going to be a side who um, are one of the poorer sides in the league, and. Holloway's impact whilst it's been positive hasn't been quite as pronounced necessarily on the pitch as what we're seeing in the results extra um, beating in nine that yeah and that and that also comes into um, the data side of things where if you're looking even at the last four games Grimsby's um, XG data has been really really poor mm-hmm. um, getting, maybe getting through on pure passion but, but, no, but part of that will be because once they've taken the lead especially in the position they're in and, and you know the lack of um, confidence they're, they're naturally going to sit back and invite some pressure so mm. a caveat to that um but if this game is being played, you know, uh, three or four weeks, or three weeks ago, let's say, there's no way that Exeter would be six to five, which is the price they find them at now. And so I'm maybe just looking to expose a little bit of um, market inefficiency in terms of, of the, the Grimsby's improvement here. Um, I do think long term they will improve. I do think this is an exciting project for both manager and club. Um, but I think Exeter can come into this one pretty confident of picking up three points. So six to five being the best price is uh, certainly something I'm willing to take. Yeah, my nap is also, in, in my eyes, something where the market does not align with my own opinions. Now, it's hard to imagine how uh, any market could be quite as with Plymouth Argyle as I am at the moment. And I napped them up last week and they won comfortably at Carlisle. Uh, I punted on them for the title a few weeks ago before they lost to Swindon. Now, that bet is not looking a likely winner at the moment because of the points gap between themselves and Swindon. Um, But if the league table started now uh, uh, with 20 or so games left, I would take Plymouth to pick up the most amount of points out of anyone in this division. From now to the end of the season, I really am that, that convinced about them. I think that they... The way that they play, the way that they impose their style on the opposition, uh, as apart from Swindon, is unrivaled uh, at this level. I think the quality that they have, the individual quality a- across the park, really, uh, is, again, potentially unrivaled uh, in the division. Uh, they have in Ryan Lowe a manager that I think is building something, is building uh, an atmosphere that is positive and will help this team continue upwards on a good run from here to the end of the season. Uh, I think his his manner, I think his character lends itself to, to big runs. And to be quite honest, that they're on a big run at the moment. It's not a run, it's just them. Uh, I said last week, they picked up 12 points from their first 10 league games. That, that wasn't good enough. It was a, a relegation hangover. It's probably the easy phrase to chuck at that. Um, but 15 games since then, 32 points. So better than two points per game there. 10 wins, two draws and three defeats. Uh, the defeats away at Swindon, away at Cambridge narrowly, uh, and one that they really chucked in away at Exeter losing 4-0. But they've won uh, just a ridiculous amount of games recently and their home record is is excellent. They're at home to a Mansfield team and I should mention the price. They're, they're generally even money. Uh, Marathon, as always, just sticking their neck out a little bit. Uh, but generally even money here and, and at home to Mansfield... I just really like that for Plymouth, uh, a Mansfield side who I think it's fair to say under the the new manager, Graham Coughlin, the results haven't been exceptional. Um, I'm almost trying not to focus too much on results because to come into a difficult situation, what I'm picking up on 
based on what he's saying in the media about certain players, certain players that we recognise as stalwarts of this Mansfield side over the last few years, like Christian Pierce, Jacob Mellis to a, to a slightly lesser extent, is that he's trying to impose his stamp on things, as you would expect, as you would want him to do, to be quite honest, uh, to a team that had been really struggling when he came in. So those guys... He, they, have they been told they can leave? He, he seems to have left the door open for them to rejoin the squad, but uh, it, it's it's all looking a little bit grim. They lost their last two games at home. That crazy defeat to Forest Green, which to me just shows that the grit and the, the ability to see out games that they had last season is, is clearly not in evidence at all this season. They've only won six uh, of their 27 uh, games. They've lost 12. They are down in 19th position. Uh, and it's pretty grim. So for me, a Mansfield side that's in bad nick uh, with a, a new manager who's mixing things up a little bit and has not had uh, a big impact on results so far, uh, coming up against what I consider to be a, a something of a runaway train in Plymouth uh, at even money with a fair few firms. I'm, I'm absolutely gobbling that up as we are. Uh, I expect they will go off a fair bit shorter than that, but we're recording this a bit earlier in the week than usual. So I'm grabbing Plymouth while I can. That's my best bet. That's my nap. Uh, as always, no surprise, probably. Uh, what's next for you? Bristol City against Barnsley, I think, is a really interesting betting heat where you've got a Bristol City side who have lost five of their last seven games in the Championship. Um, they've beaten two teams, 3-0 and 2-0. They were the worst two teams in the league in, in Luton and Wigan. If you take out those two performances, this, I mean, there's still talk of this Lee Johnson side being promotion challengers and they're in ninth position at the moment with 41 points. They have to improve so much for that to be a possibility. They have been treading water for most of the season. We spoke about at the beginning of the season how they were possibly in a bit of a forced position. The performances weren't as good as the results and no surprise to see that the results have, have dipped massively. Um, they come up against the Barnsley side who... The opposite is the case. Since Gerhard Struber came in, they have been nothing short of sensational. And it's brilliant to see how well they're doing. So you've got a side at the top end of the, of the table, well, in the top half of the table in, in Bristol City and a side in the bottom half of the table in, in Barnsley. And I would say that they're currently basically in forced positions in those in those two. The market has, has kind of cottoned on, I guess, a bit to to this Barnsley side. They're no longer kind of being priced up as, as also runs in this, in this race. But at the same time, I still think there's a kind of a little bit of an edge here in, in supporting them because of Bristol City and because of who they're coming up against. The draw no bet market currently has Bristol City at four to six and has Barnsley at eleven to eight. Given that Bristol City have only managed to avoid defeat twice in the last seven games and they were against two sides much much weaker than this Barnsley side, coupled with the fact that Barnsley have been you know at very worst solid. I mean, you, you look at the, the Derby and the Swansea games recently; they were. I would say probably unlucky to lose the game at Derby. They were very, very good value for their point at Swansea. They are currently a mid-table team in my head. The data suggests that too. So to be getting odds against about them picking up a win with your money back if it's a draw seems like unbelievably generous. And you know this Bristol City team, whilst you know the, the, the edge may have gone a little bit on Barnsley, I think there's massive value at the moment getting against Bristol City pretty much um, every time that they're playing. Uh, I was annoyed I didn't make the most of it last night when they got beaten by Shrewsbury in the Cup. Not a massive surprise to see that happen. Um, this is a team really, really underperforming and really struggling under a man that we call Streaky Lee and they are in the midst of a very, very poor streak and I think it might continue on Saturday. Yeah, I'm going for Swansea uh, as my next pick. I haven't got a spreadsheet 
that I would like to have with all of our picks so that I can easily break down which leagues I select and home and away, etc., etc. It's something that we might need to put together at some point. But I suspect that I have left the championship alone to a pretty eye-watering extent this season. I find it very difficult to punt on generally. Um, I don't, when I scan the, the list of games, I very rarely see prices that leap out uh, to me. Generally, I find the teams I want to back are too short and that puts me off. So uh, when I saw Swansea around even money, just as I look now, the best price you can get on the odds checker app is evens with William Hill. Most firms uh, just under at 19 to 20, 1.95. I, I am going to gobble that up against a Wigan team that are peculiar. I suppose the concern with this bet is that data-wise, in terms of the balance of play, in terms of shot quality in their games, Wigan are not or have not been projecting nearly as bad as their position of second bottom in the league. It's a position which, well, it's a it's a set of results in which they've won just one game uh, since the 23rd of October. That was a game on New Year's Day against Birmingham. The amount of defeats and draws is eye-watering. The lack of goals is eye-watering. Uh, 12 goals at home, 12 goals away. That's 24 goals in 27 games. Clearly not good enough. And away from home, they concede plenty as well. 24 goals conceded, 1.71 per game. Uh, their away record has been horrendous since they rejoined this division. So it, it doesn't really need going through again. But sure enough, this season, 14 games played, uh, nine defeats, four draws and just one win. Last season, uh, they won't want me to remind you, but it was two wins, five draws and 16 defeats. So whatever the the issue is, and we've been scratching our heads about it, uh, how much of it is tactical and down to the the manager, Paul Cook's uh, system, how much of it is down to a poor bunch of players, how much of it is down to the psychological side of the game, where we've also seen them consistently conceding goals at the end of games to drop points, either from winning positions or from uh, a draw to a defeat. Uh, it's a Wigan side that I'm still scratching my head over because the numbers are not too bad for pretty much mid-table uh, in recent times, but the results not necessarily following suit. So I might be on the wrong end of, of, a, uh, of a data bite here, but hopefully Swansea, who I think will go into this with a serious, uh, a serious atmosphere uh, at home, they won their last home game at Charlton. They drew away at Cardiff, of course, weren't able to do the double over them. But I think that was a, a point that they'll take, especially with the emergence of centre-back Cabango, the youngster, uh, alongside Wilmot playing really well. But basically, it's it's of all the sets of fans, Swansea must be the most excited about their transfer window so far. Rian Brewster, uh, Mark Guahy, and we expect by the time you listen to this, Conor Gallagher will have been confirmed as well. Three England uh, youth team starlets who won the Under-17 World Cup with Steve Cooper just a few years ago. Uh, and I think that's going to send the fans into a bit of a frenzy because it's a Swansea team that we've, you know, we've questioned plenty this season, but they are level on points with Sheffield Wednesday just outside the playoff places and three good quality additions if they hit the ground running, which you can't you can't know for sure with Brewster and Guahy. But with Gallagher, you... You, you would expect him to, to make a difference as an attacking central midfield player. Something they've missed is goals from midfield uh, and that, thr that thrust, that box-to-box -box 
energy that he has. I do expect it to improve them. Uh, and, I, and I'm going to pick Swansea here around even money to get a home win against a Wigan team that I, I just I can't see them doing anything really away from home at the moment. That's my second pick, Swans at home, following Plymouth. Uh, last one of these, George. What's tickling your fancy? Uh, yeah, going back to Stevenage again. Um, who, okay, who, nice. tra- who travelled to Cambridge and last week <clears throat> I tipped up a 0-0 draw and they were beaten 1-0 by Port Vale they had another home game yesterday where they, they drew 0-0 with Oldham um, looking at the highlights and reading about the game it sounds as if Oldham probably had the better of it it was marginally um, Curtis Guthrie hit the bar but except for that Stevenage had very little um, and they come up against the Cambridge team on a pretty rotten run of form um, they've lost their last three games been defeated by Macclesfield. Um, their last home game was a 3-2 defeat against Mansfield. But I'm not giving up on Cambridge yet. I'm, I'm probably giving up on any kind of playoff aspirations they may have had. Uh, but I still think that they are a, a functional team. And from what I'm seeing about Graham Westley's Stevenage at the moment, a functional team is pretty much all that you need um, because it's really desperate. They are creating precious little you mentioned it on the Monday podcast, I think before the midweek in Graham Westy's four games, they were projecting 0.4 XG attacking per game. That is absolutely shambolic. Um, and they're pretty, they're conceding chances pretty regularly as well. Um, so for Cambridge here, I don't think they'd have to return to any great form in order to win this one. Um, you're getting 10 to 11 or near enough even money with, with, with Marathon Bet, which seems very generous indeed um, for a side who... We'll have to, you know, Stevenage will have to put in a much improved performance, in my opinion, to get away with this one with a point. Okay, last pick for me before our bonus is Forest Green to beat Salford at home in League Two this weekend. Uh, Forest Green best price two point two as we record, uh, general two point one for the most part, and yet for a home win here against uh, a, an improving Salford side, uh, I'm sort of if I've gone slightly against the data uh, with my pick of Swansea against Wigan. I feel like I'm sort of paying my dues here because uh, if we look at the Fox Punter XG ratio tables, uh, which we subscribe to, which we were sent through recently, um, essentially in recent weeks, there are three between three and five teams in League Two who data-wise are on the balance of chances created an XG ratio uh, stand out, and it's probably no surprise that it's Swindon, Plymouth, Crew Alexandra, uh, and then Forest Green are up there as well, as well as Newport, who, as always, are just sort of keeping the opposition at bay but struggling to create themselves. For Forest Green, it's another team whose good XG ratio is really thanks to their very miserly defence. Uh, it's been the case all season. They've actually kept a clean sheet in 44% of their games, so plenty of clean sheets, plenty of games one to nil. Uh, pretty much one in every three of Forest Green's games, they've won to nil. So that would be something I'd certainly have a look at here. Um, I think it was interesting to see them bring in Giovanni Brown uh, on loan. It hasn't worked out for him at, at Colchester, that's for sure. If he can recapture some of his form from last season at Cambridge, where he was a, a real creative force for them, they didn't ask him to do much apart from sit in the number 10 spot and pick passes and his passing numbers uh, through balls, key passes, assists were, were very, very good. And I think 
that could help this Forest Green, who themselves have found it difficult to, to rack up the goals, it's fair to say. I'm putting that 4-3 win against Mansfield last weekend down as something of an anomaly. And I would expect them to revert to type uh, a fairly low-scoring game here. Salford, I think, will find it difficult to to create against this Forest Green side. And I'm... I'm, I'm I'm, I'm expecting, yeah, I'm expecting Forest Green to have enough about them to, to score themselves and to win this game. So uh, my picks are Plymouth, Swansea, Forest Green, all home teams, all around the even money mark uh, as well. It's, it's funny how it works. Sometimes I've got three aways, sometimes three homes. It's very rarely a, a cool mixture. It's obviously dependent on mood. What's your favourite Australian soap? Neighbours. Ah, I thought it was going to be home, away, home, home and Away. Oh, nice. Uh, I see. <laughs> Right. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. Sorry. I'm. I'm so locked in. I'm not. I wasn't really thinking of humour there. But for what it's worth, mine is definitely neighbours. Yeah, too, you so. love neighbours, didn't you? Mm. You went to Ramsey Street, didn't you? Erinsborough. Yeah. A big it's moment not, for just, you. It's not just a street, mate. Okay. Uh, yeah, I went to Erinsborough. It was great. Um, it was actually quite emotional. Where is it? Melbourne. Near Melbourne. Yeah. You get the. You get a bus from Melbourne um, to Erinsborough to the set, and they play like classic episodes on the bus. Oh God. And everyone loves it so much. Right. Okay. What's your what's your bonus pick for me? Uh, my bonus pick is a team we saw last night in Ipswich Town. Um, they go to Tranmere, and I was intrigued to see Ipswich. Um, it was hard to take much away from the game because it was so rain affected. Um, it looked during the first half like the game match was going to be abandoned. There was sitting water all over the pitch, and it was incredibly windy. So, even though I wasn't really very impressed by pretty much anything Ipswich did, um, it's impossible to. You know, in, in the same way I'm sure Ipswich weren't very impressed by anything Oxford did, I, I think it would be naive to place too much you know, weight in those opinions on the back of it. But what I will say is that Ipswich's back three, um, I think, will be pretty hard to break down for teams going forward. I thought that the blend between Wolfenden, Chambers and Wilson, um, you know, Chambers we saw a couple of times, uh, he kind of runs about as fast as I walk. But with Gwion Edwards on his outside as a wing back and then Wilson in the middle, um, you know, he can hide a little bit. And, you know, th- with Paul Lambert, it's, it's not a huge surprise. We said at the beginning of the season they had the best defence in the league. Um, they went underwent a bit of a a bit of a wobble. Um, but it looks to me like they're now kind of well drilled enough to keep a, a, a pretty appalling Tramir team at bay here. Um, Tramir last season relied so much on their home form for the, for the points to get them into the playoffs. But recently, it's been pretty poor. Um, they got beaten at home by Wickham. They got beaten at home by Coventry. A couple of draws against Accrington and Blackpool and, and beat AFC Wimbledon. But it, you have to go back to September for the last time they scored more than a single goal at home. Um, and I think that Ipswich will have enough here to keep them at bay. I don't think Ipswich are going to be scoring plenty of goals. I don't think the Accrington game um, should be taken too much uh, you know, credibility in terms of them being a good attacking unit. Um, and it's just a correct score bet. I think they might run out 1-0 winners here in a pretty tight game with, with not much, not many chances, but there's no denying that Ipswich have the edge going forward, and that's 13-2. to two. Shall I make this more interesting? Yes. Shall I make this more important? Mm. My bonus selection is also in this game. Wow. There's a possibility of a double winner here. Mm, my God. It's a 66-1 first goal scorer pick, and it's Luke Wolfenden. Who, 66 to 1 who you love mm. and I can barely believe this now Wolfenden don't get me wrong uh, there are there are reasons for centre-backs to be nice and long as first goal scorers they have 
two strikers, Ipswich in Norwood and in Keane or potentially Caden Jackson, who was rested uh, in midweek, who are going to be the most likely goal scorers. But let me chuck a small grenade into that because you've got a 66 to one shot in Wolfenden. Wilson, another centre-back, also 66-1. to one. Chambers is shorter, having scored one goal this season. Wolfenden and Wilson both haven't scored, but two reasons. Firstly, set-pieces. Tranmere, most set-piece goals conceded in League One, level with Southend, with 14. Consistently struggling to defend set-pieces. Ipswich, the third most goals scored from set-pieces behind Rotherham, who are way in front. They have 19 Rotherham, which is amazing. Uh, Wickham with 11, Ipswich with 10. Wolfenden, this is just as, as an aside, is a very large bloke, very gangly. He's a big man. More so in the flesh than I expected. But it's not just the set-piece threat. It's overlapping fullbacks as well. If this is a game where Ipswich are going to have plenty of the ball, we saw it with our own eyes on Tuesday night. Chambers and Wolfenden will gallop forward into the final third. Now, it's ungainly. They don't look particularly good on the ball. We're not talking about O'Connell and Basham of Sheffield United here, but we are seeing these guys get into the final third. And if the ball is worked uh, properly, then there's every chance that Wolfenden can get himself into the box in goal-scoring areas from open play. And that really interests me. So uh, for the for the reasons given above, I'll certainly be having a go at Wolfenden at 66-1 to uh, to score first against Tramir. There's various firms offering that. Uh, and I'm looking forward to this potentially being the first one uh, at the longest price of the season so far. So there we go. All eyes on Tranmere Ipswich on Saturday. If it's 1-0 with Luke Wolfenden, I mean, what are, what are we going to do? I think we should go on holiday okay. immediately okay. if that goal goes in. If Wolfenden scores first and Ipswich win 1-0 against Tranmere, I will book us a holiday that day for some point in the two following weeks, okay? Okay. Good. Done. Guys, thanks for listening. It's Hope you've enjoyed. Birthday on Sunday. Your nephew's birthday on Sunday. So not then. It's not going to be that quick. Fine. Uh, we'll let it breathe for a little bit. Guys, thank you very much for listening to this betting show. Hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, we've got some exciting news coming out next week. So please keep your eyes peeled. Make sure you're following us at NTT20pod on Twitter and on Instagram. <laughs> Something we think is very, very exciting. And we, we think you will too. So stay tuned for that. Uh, let us know what you fancy this weekend on what is, of course, a tricky slate of EFL action. Uh, and make sure you listen again on Monday for the Monday pod. Thanks, as always, and speak again soon.